Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Wow, thank you so much for uh, opening um, your hearts to what God wants to say today. I especially want to honor your pastors, your apostles of this house. Um, You know, they are on the board with uh, my husband and I, Bishop Hammond's Board of Governors. And I have to just tell you, they are highly honored at Christian International. And sometimes, you know, congregations just don't know how honored their pastors or their apostles are, but they um, they come highly recommended <laughs> to you, and I love them and honor them so much, and they're my friends, but we also minister alongside each other, and can you just stand with me and give them a praise of clap, clap, hand clap? You love them. You honor them. They're wonderful, and I know, yes, yes. Yes, thank you so much for doing that with me. You know, um, it's it's just always good to do that. Pastors need that every now and then, but I know they're always going to say, he gets the glory. He, he does always get the glory. They're so humble, and uh, they don't like to take credit for, for much, but I'm giving them a lot of credit today because I watch them, and you know, uh, what you see is what you get with your pastors. They're the real deal. They, they are the real deal. All right. Well, moving on, I just want to say, I don't think, now I've, I, I do a lot of ministry. I'm on the road a lot. I go into a lot of churches, and I try to always come with a message that's in my heart, and sometimes I labor over, Lord, is this really what you want to say? And maybe it should be something else, and I want to I wanna be right on target with what the people need. But I don't think ever before have have I been set up in such a way to know that I know that what I brought is for you because it started with worship. It came forth with the word of the Lord, with the word of the Lord from Katie. Uh, and then the, the, the last songs that we sang was about God wants to, he's resurrecting something inside of us from, from the ashes. There is something inside of us that God really wants to resurrect and bring forth no matter what we have been through, no matter what we feel like we've missed out on, times we felt like we've been left behind. God wants to resurrect something that was originally inside of us that the enemy has stolen or is still trying to steal. And so uh, I know many, I've been here I've been here a lot, <laughs> but I like to come here because I I love your pastors, but I love this congregation, and uh, I leave changed every time I come here because what you do here give me vision for what I want to see happen in other places because you're really raising up a next generation, and I love that, and I honor that, and that's always been part of the vision of this house is to reach that next generation. And after all the years that I've been coming, I have to honestly tell you, it's happening. It's here. It's, 
It's already established. So it is something that cannot be stolen from you. I think the enemies tried to steal it. But this is so in the foundation. It is so deep in the vision of this house and so deep in the leadership that is here. It cannot be stolen. But there are other things in our lives that the enemy still tries to come and steal. And I believe uh, if you haven't read my book on uh, the silence and the accuser, I think I have a few copies left. I know I've been here so many times. uh, You have a lot of my books. I do have some left over if you want to still see if there's one that you might want. I have a few brand new uh, off the press books on dreams and visions that are left with 40 pages of dream symbolism. And and it's really good. I prayed over all those symbols. They're not just something I just came up with and thought this was a good idea. But I really do believe that in our season that we're walking in now, there is a fresh visitation upon your dreams. And so I want to encourage you in this season, don't treat your dreams like junk mail. Don't just throw them to the side. God really is speaking right now because we are in a transition. We are in a transition. Uh, If you follow the uh, Hebraic calendar, the word of the Lord involves the year, uh, the numbers 5779. And I I actually don't like get up and pray to follow a particular feast or a particular year, but I listen to that. I take heed as to what God is doing in that season. And those numbers, 5779, which is our year on the Hebraic calendar, it actually means new wine flowing. So that's the word of the Lord that came from you, sir, about God's releasing that new wine. There's a new wine flowing. And the, the continued word was we're in a new season of birthing. We, we are, we've been, we've been carrying things in our vision and in our womb, our spiritual womb. But we're in a season to birth it forth. And this is the year to harvest, um, what was it? I wrote it down. A year to harvest the king's vineyard. So that involves the wine in the king's vineyard. But, you know, not just everybody got into the king's vineyard. Those that are favored of the Lord get into the king's vineyard. But we're favored, aren't we? We walk in favor. So my message today is entitled, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Season. If you change your thinking, you can change your season. And it's a matter of applying your faith. So everything that was done in worship went along with where I'm going today. The words of the Lord go right with what I want to teach. And so what I want to encourage you to do is keep changing your mind so that you can shift into your new season. You see, when, when words are said, when prophecies are given, if we don't grab hold of it and have faith, attach our faith to it, there's not going to be any change. We have to, uh, by, by faith, um, just acknowledge that this is what God said, and this is what is for me, and this is mine. This is my meal right now. And I'm going to partake of it, and I'm going to allow this to become one with me so that I shift into my new season. So let me just encourage you. Something really big is about to happen. 
Something B-I-G, big. There's an explosion in the spirit. A shaking in a good way. A, a shaking of shaking everything in the enemy's camp. Uh, the plans of the enemy are being shaken so that we can come forth in a great victory. So I want to talk to you about your times and seasons. And we're just going to go on a little journey together this morning. I know most of you are familiar with the passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So we can either, I don't know if you put that uh, on the overhead or if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, ever how you, ever how you have to access this scripture. Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to kind of meander along the way between verses 1 and 8. So I'm not going to mention every single verse for the sake of time, and I want to be sure to be able to minister to some of you. So it starts off with, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, time to break down, a time to build up. And it goes on, you know, time to be happy, time to be sad, da-da-da. So let's look at the uh, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. So to me, that means no matter what the enemy has painted as ugly in our lives, no matter what ugliness we've experienced, God does work everything out for our good, and it ends up beautiful if we keep choosing to look at it like that. But it is a choice because we can focus on death or we can focus on the resurrection, on everything, in everything in our lives. And so I just want to, once again, I'm talking about times and seasons. The word time and season in this popular passage are just very general terms. They're not any, it's not about anything specific. It's just, it's just throwing it out there like there's a time we do this and there's a, a time we do that. It's a simple general term for time, like it's time to go, it's time to, it's time to eat breakfast, it's time to go to church. It's, I mean, we may set our clock at 10, but we already know it's getting time to go to church. We better, we better wrap up or, hey, it's time to go, and you still have to wait five minutes for the kids to come down the stairs or put their clothes. You know what? It's just general or, gee, I'm getting hungry. I think it's time to eat. Not that we have to eat at 12 o'clock every time. But it's still time that we need to be thinking about lunch. So when it's talking about time in that passage, it's just very, very general. It's not a specific. But I want to continue laying a platform for certain times and seasons that I believe will give you revelation for what God wants to do now to shift you into your proper season. Because we've just been kind of living in general time a lot, a lot of our lives in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, this is Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church, and he says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. In other words, what he is saying is, you should know your times and seasons. You are children of the light. You should know in your spirit what God is doing. 
See, we are privileged today because we have a lot of the prophetic voices speaking and giving us what they heard from heaven, just like the year 5779 on the Hebraic calendar. That's not something I go and study. But I, I received that from other prophetic voices, such as Chuck Pierce and others that study that. And I trust that ministry, and so I lock in to the validity of that prophetic word. So we have a lot of opportunities to uh, partake of what God is saying prophetically. If we're listening to the right voice, and there, there is a discernment that goes along with that. I mean, everybody seems to have a voice right now on the Internet, and we have to be very cautious and selective as to who we choose to believe because there's a lot of falsehood. There really is, unfortunately. But Apostle Paul says we are to be able to discern the correct voice, but also the times and seasons of our lives. So basically, we should know what God is doing. So when it's talking about times and seasons, even in this passage, it's a little bit different because times and seasons are separate. They're not just general terms. In this passage, the word time is chronos, which is where we get the word chronological. And the meaning, this is the meaning of our natural order of times, things being in chronological order. That would be like 1 o'clock following 12 o'clock noon, 2 o'clock following 1 o'clock. That would be like... Uh, January following December, February following January. You understand? Just uh, chronological, everyday, tick-tock, tick-tock time. That's what that means. Now, this timepiece I'm wearing, my watch, tells me chronological time. It tells me what time of the day it is. But it doesn't tell me the seasons of God. It's just everyday tick-tock time. But when you talk about seasons in this passage, when, when Paul is saying, you should know your season. We walk in the light. We should know what season we are in. And the word season in this passage is kairos. And the word kairos means an appointed time of favor. So we are in an appointed time of favor because God is saying, you have access to my vineyard. This is your season to access the new wine. We all need an outpouring. We all need a fresh anointing. We all, you know, it's hard. It's hard to eat stale bread. I don't know about some of you, but I don't want yesterday's manna. I want fresh bread. I want fresh anointing. We can run far on fresh bread because there's nutrition in it. But stale molded bread is going to keep us lingering behind a bit. It's not going to give us what we need to move ahead. So... I want to just say your life may be tick-tocking along. You're just walking in every day, tick-tock time. You get up every day. The same time the alarm clock goes off, you get up, you go to work, you drive down the same street, you wave at the same people, you see the same cars, you, you park in your same spot if you can at the parking lot, you go into work, you see the same people, you punch in, you punch out. But it's every day, 
chronological, sometimes boring, time. But when you shift into a Kairos moment, you enter into a divine season of favor. And what happens is, is because God is God, and he loves us, and he knows when we need a season of interruption, and he inserts into your chronos, tick-tock time, a fresh season of breakthrough and favor. He can step into any time of our lives that he wants to, and he can go forward and backward. And it changes everything just like that. But if we don't act upon it and be willing to go through the process of everyday TikTok time until we get there, we're going to miss out. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. See, we can sow and sow, but if we quit sowing and it's time and God has a set time for that season of favor, you know, if we have sown into the wrong crops, we need to start praying for crop failure. You know, the accuser of the brethren what, what he does is he sows negativity into our lives. He falsely accuses us to us. He falsely accuses God to us by saying, God's not going to come through for you. God doesn't have a desire to heal you. He downplays the faithfulness of God. He sows and he sows and he sows. And if we don't challenge it, and if we don't declare what God says about our season... Because the enemy, he doesn't want you to enter your season of favor. He'll try to convince you that you're not in a season of favor just because something wrong may have gone, something wrong may have happened that day. But that doesn't mean you're not walking in favor. But if he continues to sow and we don't challenge it and pluck it out of our field, we will reap what's been sown. What gets sown gets reaped. So what we reap, and what we, yeah, what we reap is a result of what we have previously sown. It is our season now to begin to reap. And if we're not starting to reap, we need to examine what's been sown. And then pluck it out, take it out, tear it down. Maybe there needs to be some repentance because we weren't faithful to do what God said to position us properly to enter in to our Kairos moment. Now, this year, 5779, 5779 is also um, a year of birthing. And as I was preparing this message, I had come up with this message before the word of the Lord of this year came out, so it really excited me that I wasn't just following what someone else said. It was something that God actually spoke to me, which is important to me. And when you, uh, when, and women know this. I know men have head knowledge of it. Women have real knowledge of carrying a baby. <laughs> men can sympathize with us, but women have empathy, because we've done it and we know. But 
we're carrying a baby in chronological time every day, tick-tock, tick-tock, we're carrying this child, and then comes a Kairos moment when what you have carried is birthed. And so this is what I mean by entering into your season. God interjects the breakthrough in the middle of your day, in your week, month, whenever it is, and you've been carrying something in your spirit for a very long time, some for years. But God interrupts and interjects a new season of breakthrough when he is ready. But I am telling you this morning, get ready, get ready, get ready. Your new season is coming. It's on the horizon. It's on its way. And this truly is, according to the prophets, this is our year. This is our year of breakthrough. Don't miss your season. Change your mind, change your thinking, and enter into your new season. Now, I have some bad news, and I have some good news. Have you ever heard those bad news, good good news jokes? I mean, some of them are really cruel, so I'm not going to... But this one, I guess, is kind of cruel, but I'm going to say it because it's funny. (laughs) Okay, this is about a doctor and a patient. The doctor says, I have some good news and some bad news. And the patient says, okay, well, I guess you better give me the good news first. And the doctor said, well, you have 24 hours to live. And the patient said, that's the good news? Well, what's the bad news then? And the doctor said, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. (laughs) That is a bad, that's a bad one. It is funny, but it's a bad news joke. But I have some good news and bad news for you. The bad news is this. Many of us have missed our season, and we just flat got stuck. We just got stuck. And it is possible to waste so much time and be totally unaware of what the Lord is, where he's trying to take us. We get caught up in stuff. We get caught up in the cares of this world, and we we just get stuck. But I don't want you to feel guilty because the good news is this. God can catch you up (laughs) and give you a season and a kairos moment and give you a time of favor and an intervention, a godly intervention. That's the good news. And I'm here to tell you this is God's plan for your lives. Galatians 6, 9, it, talks, it says this, Let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So here's the principle again of sowing and reaping. But what that word in due season that word due season actually translate, translates as kairos. So it says, if you've been sowing a lot, don't, you know, don't allow yourself to get weary. Just know there is a kairos moment for you. And God wants to set you back on the right track so that you can receive the favor for this season. And this is very exciting. Because, really, I know for myself, there's been times I'm not sure I sowed well with my words. Some negativity or 
you know, things didn't go right. And I mean, I began to focus on what God wasn't doing rather than what I knew what he said he was going to do. And if you're walking in a place where you've uh, been struggling financially, we have to keep our eyes on the promise where God says, hey, I am your provider. I am. I am. The big, the, the, mo- the most powerful words in the universe, I am. What God says about himself, but also what I say about me, I am strong. I am healed. I am victorious. Those are words that Sandy Free needs to be saying about herself, especially when I'm bombarded with negative words from the enemy. And I myself have been training my spirit to move into my new season. So it's important, church, know your season. Walk in the light, know your season. Jeremiah 8, 7 says this. Yea, the stork in heaven knows her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. So what God is saying to us in this passage is that even the birds know their migratory seasons. They know um, by instinct when to fly south, when to go north, the hummingbirds in Texas know when to leave. I watch them. I know when they come in, approximately, not the exact date, but I kind of know the season. They know when to go where it's cooler, where, where to go when it's warmer. They have this internal compass. But we are children of the light. We should know our season. We should know where to go. We should be alert and in tune. How long can we continue to go without synchronizing our seasons with God? We need to be aware that when God speaks, it's important to synchronize our faith with what God is saying to us. The birds know, but do we know? So going back to Thessalonians first, uh, Thessalonians 5.1, We are children of the light. When we walk in the light, we're following the word of the Lord. It's time to shift. But Apostle Paul, now he he was the one that wrote this passage in Thessalonians. Apostle Paul took this concept a little bit further in Scripture in talking about Cairo's time. So I want to study that. I want to show you something in Scripture that I found to be extremely profound as Paul shares his shift from chronological time that he missed out on and a shift into Kairos moment, which was his catch-up time. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So this is, uh, we're going to start with verse 1. This is when Apostle Paul was Uh, talking to the disciples, and he was explaining to the disciples that he understood what they had been through, what they had experienced with Jesus Christ, even though he wasn't there. If you remember, he did not, uh, he was not there during Jesus's ministry, 
But he's telling the disciples, basically he's saying, hey, you think you've got one up on me, but I want to tell you, I know just as much as you do. See, the disciples didn't immediately receive Paul because he had persecuted the Christians, and they didn't believe he had a solid relationship with Jesus Christ. How could he? He wasn't there, right? So this is what he is telling the uh, disciples or the apostles at that time. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you were saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you unless you have believed in vain. So he's telling me, he's basically saying, what you know, I know. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, that he was buried that he, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, for some are falling asleep. Now, he's talking here about the believers that saw Christ, and some of them are already dead now. And then he goes on in verse 7. And after that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And, and look at this, verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also. But he says this, as one born out of due time. So right there, Apostle Paul is saying, I was born out of due time. I was born out of time. What is that time? He's talking about I was born out of chronos, everyday tick-tock time. I was born out of everything that happened in that tick-tock time of Jesus' ministry. But yet he's saying all of this that you saw was also seen of me, even though I wasn't in that time with you. How does that happen? All right, listen. This is awesome. The history of church in Paul's life at that time, who was basically Saul back then, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Saul was about the same age, but he was on a completely different path, right? Jesus grew up in wisdom and knowledge, and he began his ministry at the age of 30. For three and a half years, he ministered in about a 200-mile radius around Syria, Jerusalem, Galilee, and Jordan. But it was around approximately 200 miles, 200 square miles. And we know this. During that time, he was tried as a criminal. He died as a criminal. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was resurrected, ascended into heaven, and we still await his glorious return as King of kings and Lord of lords. But while Jesus was ministering in that everyday, tick-tock, chronological time, Saul, or Paul, who was then Saul, was also at work. He had his own ministry. He was religious. He was highly trained in Judaism and Phariseeism. 
He became a right-wing zealot in politics and religion. He sat at the feet of the most prominent religious teachers of that day. He was bitter. He was combative. He was confronting. And he was zealous for religion. And he was an extreme antagonist. He was a murderer. When Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God, Saul was on the opposite side of Jesus. On Pentecost, Saul was so convinced that these believers were wrong, he decided they had to be stopped. And because of his high stature in religion and politics, and also because he had Roman citizenship, he was given favor to work with the governmental authorities to seek out Christians and murder them, imprison them, torture them, whatever he felt like he needed to do to save his religion, he did. So every day, tick-tock time was going on in chronological order. He missed those three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, and he missed all the kingdom truths that were being taught. He was never personally reached by Jesus' ministry, yet he just told the apostles, I was there, I saw it all. I, too, was touched by Jesus. He missed the kingdom ministry, the crucifixion, the resurrection. He missed the upper room experience, the baptism of the Spirit. And during that time, what he was doing was taking a stand against everything that Jesus came to present and empower the others to see fulfilled. But he did witness something. He witnessed the first martyrdom of the church, which was Stephen. And he actually held the coats of those that stoned him. Now, can you just picture this? Here people come. They, they, they're gonna, they know that they want Stephen murdered. They don't like what he's teaching. And they probably, some of them went to uh, Saul and said, here, hold my coat. Would you hold my coat? And maybe Saul said, I can't throw a stone really well, but let me hold your uh, coat so that you can throw your stone and hit the mark, and I'll just watch. So he was actively involved in murder in this area as well. He stood and watched as they murdered Stephen in cold blood. He was on the wrong side, most definitely on the wrong side. But something was going on in the church that was very interesting. All this other stuff was going on with him, but in the church, something was happening. Right before the crucifixion, we know that Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and then he hung himself. And it was Peter that attempted to replace Judas as one of the apostles. So he tells the others, we need to elect another person to fill this position. 
So what did they do? They, they cast lots. It would, be, it would be real similar to us drawing straws today, in my opinion. So they cast lots, and who, uh, the person, Matthias, was the one elected to fulfill this position. Well, it seemed all right to them because, after all, he, was a, he seemed to be a great guy. He shows up on time for church. He always shows up to fulfill his usher responsibility. He has a great personality, gets along really good with the people. So this is all right. But actually, it seems like Matthias was their choice and not God's choice because we don't read anything that he did after that. He didn't establish any churches. He didn't do the apostle thing. He just kind of disappears. And I believe this is because God had someone else in mind all along to fulfill that position. God had his heart on a Saul that he knew he could transform to be a Paul, a man that would write two-thirds of the New Testament, a man who was once a persecutor, a man that would reach a Gentile nation. He had his eye on someone else that he could radically change for his glory. Can you imagine when the father goes to the angels and says, hmm, I'm going to, I'm after him. I want y'all to protect him. I want y'all to be on guard for him. Do what you can to protect this man. And they're going, they gasped. You've got to be kidding. This is the one that we're trying to protect the Christians from him. And you're choosing him to be your next apostle? Because they knew he was on the wrong side of the kingdom. But God understood that Saul was a product of what he had been taught, how he had been raised. He was a product of his culture, his parents, his religion. And God saw past those weaknesses or those mindsets. See, God sees past our mindsets. Thank you, Jesus. And when God determines to to shift, we've got to be willing to go with it and not negate what he's doing by saying, oh, I'm so unworthy. I just, that just can't be for me. I just don't know. God, you're really not able. You really don't want to. I'm so ashamed. I mean, we have to shift. Can you imagine what Paul, when he became Paul, What he really had to work through, because he would say, I'm the worst of all of you, but did that stop him? (laughs) I mean, he murdered Christians, and now he's empowering them to become a Christian. But he had to stand up before them, knowing what God had appointed him to do, and press past what he had done in his past. 
and walk in courage, always admonishing what God said about him more than what he thought about himself. God knows that we are products of how we have been raised, the mentors we have sat under, even though some of them may have been wrong. Maybe they didn't give us what we needed. Maybe we even sat under false teaching. But yet God knew what we have come out of, but he also wants to empower us to enter in to a fresh outpouring of his grace and his love and empowerment to fulfill our divine destiny. So here is Saul in his bad place. The Bible says that he was on his way to Damascus, and he has papers. He literally has papers in his pocket with addresses and names of those that he's uh, going to go and drag to prison. And he's riding on his mule, some say donkey, whatever translation. He's riding along feeling large and in charge. He's pri prideful. He's, he's probably thinking, I've got the government on my side. I've got the religious leaders on my side. I've got the most prominent people in, the, in, in my religious sector on my side. I'm smart. I've got degrees, and people listen to me. I'm sophisticated. I'm popular. But what happened? God literally knocked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus and blinded. The light was so bright, it blinded his eyes. Actually, what happened is uh, it's like the cornea. It would be like us today looking at an eclipse. And when they say on television, don't look at the eclipse, we're not supposed to, but did you see the reports of those that actually watched it? Their eyes, their, eye, their cornea of their eyes were damaged because they did watch the eclipse. There was a, a, a news in Texas. We saw it. It was on the news. Some people in Texas actually watched the eclipse without protection, and they were blinded for like two or three days because scales formed on their cornea. The light was too bright. It was the same type of thing that happened to him. He saw the light, and it blinded him. But this blindness was meant to be for a purpose. He needed to be in the dark for a while. He needed to be in a place where he had to rethink and, and ponder. But it was also for a higher purpose so that another person can come and lay hands on him. This was like a twofold purpose. Ananias had a, a responsibility to fulfill. He had to step into his Kairos moment. He was walking along chronological time being afraid of Saul coming to his house. In fact, when the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, oh, by the way, I've got news for you today. This is your, this is your directive for the day. So glad you asked me what you can do for me. 
I'm going to send you to a man named Saul, and you are going to baptize him, and you're going to pray for him, and he's going to be healed. And Ananias is going, are you kidding me, God? He is the one that is persecuting the Christians. In fact, it's highly probable that my name is on his list. And you want me to go to him? See, we never know how much our Kairos moment of stepping into it affects someone else's Kairos moment of shifting into theirs. We all need each other. Ministry is not easy. I mean, I could, I could write a chapter in a book of all the different times I have felt a spirit of intimidation when I minister. But you know what I have to do? I have to remind myself of not who I am, but whose I am. And if God said, you're my child, you're anointed, you're appointed, where I send you, I will empower you. And I'm not going for me, I'm going for him. But what happens if we don't step into what God has given us to do? That means the gift of all these people that God sends you doesn't get shared. And that affects you because we all need each other. Boy, y'all are quiet. You must be really good listeners. It's really quiet in this Presbyterian church. So, you know the story. Saul gets knocked off his horse. And actually, Saul cries out. And he says, who art thou, Elohim? Actually, the word Elohim was the highest title for God. He did not know who he was dealing with. That's why he cries out. He He doesn't understand what's happened. Who are you? Who am I working for? Evidently, I've been working for the wrong person. Because if I was doing it right, he wouldn't have knocked me off this horse. And we know that Jesus, you know, answered, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And basically, Jesus is saying to him, I'm Jesus And you're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side of the kingdom. And you've missed out for years. You missed my teaching. You missed being a disciple. You missed the the crucifixion. And you missed the resurrection. You missed the outpouring of power in the upper room. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to catch you up to speed. I'm going to send someone to heal you. After you're, going to, you're going to be blind for three days, but Ananias is going to come, and he's going to pray for you. He's going to baptize you, and he's going to pray for you. You'll have three days in the dark, but we have to remember Jesus was three days in the dark also. But there is a resurrection There's a resurrection. Jesus was resurrected. And what the Lord was saying is, I'm going to resurrect what is dead in you. God is going to resurrect. 
what, is, what seems dead in us, dreams that feel lost, opportunities that seem stolen. See, God wants to give all of us a makeup course. Now, watch this makeup course that he gives to Paul. You see, the kingdom of God kept marching on. Even though Saul was not involved, the kingdom of God just kept moving on. Chronological, day after day, tick-tock, tick-tock time. People being born again, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. But Saul, in his ungodly anointing, was on his own time his own prideful time, and God says, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to take you off of your prideful high horse, and I'm going to be sure that you're in a place that I can speak to you. Well, I can tell you this has happened to me, not because God wanted to be cruel, but God had to interrupt my life, my prideful self, my road to destruction, and pull me off to the side so that I could hear him. But it's out of his love sometimes that there's discipline. Thank God he interrupted my TikTok time because I was on the road to destruction. But I'm so glad that God saw beyond what, you know, my culture, my, my family issues, my my prideful, self-motivated own uh, agendas. Because believe me, I had one. And it didn't involve this, what I'm doing today. <laughs> but I'm so glad that it is. You know, I'm so glad I listened. So here, here it was. He takes, what happens is he takes Saul Makes him into a Paul, but he, he cuts him in. Have you ever been in a, a grocery line with your grocery basket and there's a long line? And I, I mean, I, I don't like waiting. I just can't stand. I don't like traffic lights. I don't like stop lights. I don't like stop signs. I don't like to wait in line. I don't like the security lines at the airport. I always want TSA. And when I don't get it on my ticket, I get all upset because I want fast. I don't like to be inconvenienced. But have you ever had those times that you're standing there in line, you go, oh, get your cell phone out, waste time, call somebody, use the time. But somebody out of nowhere comes and gets your basket and says, oh, here's a line, we're opening it for you over here. I love that. And, I, and everybody else is looking at it like, well, I've been in line longer than they have. But, it, you, you know, you, you, you just catch up. You, 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 you get a leg up. I love that. So that's actually what God did with Saul. Because this is what happens. Even though the kingdom of God was several laps ahead of him, after this experience with Ananias, Saul went to the array. He didn't go right out into ministry. He'd been healed. He'd been baptized. He had a touch from God, yes. He was learning. He was growing. But he goes to the Arabian desert for three and a half years. So he misses out. He missed out on three and a half years of Jesus' ministry while Jesus was on the earth. 
but he experiences three and a half years in a desert to catch up on the ministry that he did not partake of. And in that three and a half years, God caught him up to speed supernaturally with divine visitations. Wow. Shows you what God can do in a vision. And you take a vacation for a week and you spend time with God. He tells you to go. You don't know why. He uses the encounters to catch us up. And that's what he did with him. And in fact, we know that he got caught up because in 1 Corinthians, verse 11, uh, 23 through 26, it, it talks about communion. He's writing about communion. This is what he says. For I received from the Lord which I, what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How did he know that? He was not there. They weren't, they weren't all excited about this communion. It, this communion was not something the disciples jumped out, uh, jumped out, uh, jumped up. I can't say this. They jumped up from the table, ran out to the streets and said, here, we're going to drink blood. We don't understand it yet, but we're, we're drinking wine, but it's really the blood, and we got to drink the blood of Jesus, or we don't partake of Jesus. It was not a popular message. In fact, many people left the church because of the communion message. So he had no idea about this communion, except it had to be that the Spirit of God caught him up to speed on the power of this. And when he talked about it, they knew he wasn't there. They hadn't been talking about it. He had to have received this from the Spirit of God. Wow, I thought that was so powerful when I realized that. Are you tired of being in everyday TikTok chronological time? This is the truth. God wants to catch you up. Joel 2.25, I know most of you know this verse, and I'm going to close with this. And I, I've been trying to hurry through this message because I have a time frame here. Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Now, these are, and I did not know this, so I studied this out. These are four insects that are from the very same bug. They are different stages of the same bug. The same bug turns into all four of these different creatures. And, but what happens is at each stage, it eats a different part of the tree. So I, I think of Satan and how he works with different names, but it's just the same enemy. But these, when these insects 
destroy a tree. They, they eat the leaves. Uh, they eat the root systems. They eat the bark. And certain ones eat the fruit of a tree. Now, it's like God is looking at these trees, and he's seeing these trees naked. There's no bark on them. They be, the bark has been eaten away. There's no root system there, so the, that means the tree is going to waver back and forth. It's not going to be able to stand strong. Uh, the leaves are gone, and that means, you know, sun. this is uh, when, when a tree have, has leaves, it goes into the state of photosynthesis where the light it creates energy. So now the tree has no leaves and no energy, and then there's absolutely no fruit. So when God was releasing this, that this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to restore to you. You're like a tree. I mean, we are trees. We're trees of righteousness. But it's like the Lord's looking at his children, and he sees us naked, that we're vulnerable. He, the bark is gone. There's no, we don't feel covered. We're, we're, we're just vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. And then there's no strength. We're, we're tired. We're weary. And God's seen all this. And he says, but where's the fruit? The fruit gets eaten away. And he's, he's seeing us in this very vulnerable position. He sees us stripped, dry, and weary. And yet he says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give your covering back. I'm going to cause your root systems to be strong. You're going to be able to stand. And when the winds of adversity come again, you're going to have the strength to stand and not waver. And you've been crying out for fruit. Lord, I need to see fruit. God says, I'm giving it to you. This is your season. I will fulfill every promise, the Lord says. And I will restore what you have lost. Change your mind. Shift into your season. You know, some of you here may be saying, well, I just don't know if this is for me. Well, are you here? If you're here, this is for you. Amen? Don't miss your season. Don't miss your season. If you lock in to what God says, there's, a, there's, a, there's good news. Lock into the good news. Amen.